Folks, this is Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life. Times get tougher, even if they don't. Coming to you once again from Hot Springs Village, Arkansas, high atop the Highway 7 Ridge line from TSPN, the Survival Podcast Network headquarters, a.k.a. The Ant Hill. Uh, today we are going to do a show on saving money again. And the reason we're going to do it again is because I've been overwhelmed by how many tips and tricks you guys have sent in for saving money. When I launched this series, I thought we'd do one or two shows. People would maybe send in 40, 50 ideas on how to save money, and I got hundreds. And I mean hundreds with a big giant S at the end because it's multiple hundreds, four or five hundred things. There's some overlap and some repeat, but I'd say I've got 250 solid individual ideas at least, and probably more because that's the email count. Right, some people send five, six, seven ideas in their email, and uh, if you want to submit a, uh, a money-saving tip, the way you do that for a show like this is send in your email to Jack at the com, and you send that to T with a subject line TSP Money Saver, TSP Money Saver. Um, what I'm going to do is this is probably going to be the last one in the series, at least for a while. And uh, then what I'm going to start doing is just pulling out one tip in every show. And we'll kind of add that into our shows as a little segment, a little mini segment. Start giving more variety and more more meat to the shows, you know. Uh, sometimes I talk about an entire subject just for the entire show. And uh, so this may be add a little bit more variety. So I think that'll be cool. And, folks, i got enough of them that I can probably go for the rest of the year, even if you don't send me any more. But please keep sending them. Before we get into all your tips and tricks, and this is one of these rapid-fire shows where I just go through the email box and just you know pick it and unless we've we've covered it a hundred times now i just read it off and read your viewpoint on it and give a little bit of my thoughts before we do that though let's go ahead and take care of our sponsors they do a lot to help take care of you sponsor of the day number one shelfreliance.com that's shelf like a thing that you put stuff on not self like you yourself and who you are uh, they are shelfreliance.com because they are the creators of innovative food storage systems that allow you to eat what you store and store what you eat at a very high level. Uh, their Harvest 72, for instance, can store over 600 cans uh, and constantly keep the newest cans to the front and allow you to keep your inventory moving at all times. They also are makers of the Thrive brand of long-term food storage products. What I love about Thrive is the overall quality of the food and the huge, huge, huge variety of what's available. Thrive is long-term storage food that you'd be happy to open up tomorrow and serve to your family in good times or bad. So really check out ShelfReliance.com. Um, next up today we have Jeff the Berkey Guy. What does the Berkey Guy provide? Berkey Water Filtration Systems. What a shock. He does that at his website, which is Directive21.com. Water is an absolute essential when it comes to survival. It's one of your five primary survival needs. And I would say that uh, unless we throw in air and make a sixth one, which if you don't have air, you're dead anyway, uh, water is the most important because the one we can do without for the least amount of time. About 48 hours with water and we dehydrate and fall over dead. So that means that we need to make sure that we have good, clean, fresh water to drink. And that means getting certain things out of tap water today 
and having the ability to get nasties out of uh, potentially contaminated water and disasters and emergencies or long-term shit-hit-the-fan scenario. Now, the way I do that is with a Berkey water filtration system. I find it to be the most effective and most cost-effective system that's available out there. And besides, it looks really great, too. So check out Directive 21 for Berkey water filtration systems from the Berkey guy and other great items for your prepping needs. Remember, Directive 21 doesn't just have Berkey stuff. They've got some other cool stuff, too, so check it out while you're there. Uh, next up, make sure you connect with us on Facebook, uh, YouTube, and Twitter. You can find a way to do that at our website. On that note, I've been playing with a little kind of a game thing, and I don't do games, but this one seems kind of cool because it's linked to how I perform with my social media, which means how well I communicate effectively with my audience. It's called Empire Avenue, where you can buy virtual stock in people and companies. If you'd like to do that just for fun, uh, go to the survivalpodcast.com and you will see up at the very top in the center margin, connect with TSP, and that's where you see YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, all that cool stuff. The second one, you'll see buy free stock in TSPC. You can buy it for free. It doesn't cost any money to play this little game. And if you want to, you can just go over there, buy a couple hundred shares in TSPC and uh, go on with your life and never do it again. Though, you might find it actually kind of interesting. And if you own a small business or a blog, this is something you might want to do. Um, I'll leave it at that for today. Uh, last but not least, do consider joining the Member Support Brigade. You do that, you get exclusive content available only to members, uh, and you, you uh, support the show at 20 cents an episode. And very, very last but not least, remember, you have an opportunity this week and next week to win an AR-7 survival rifle from our sponsor, Ready Made Resources. All you got to do is fill out a form and click Submit, and you might win. Make sure you put accurate information in the form. Please share this contest with others. Put it out on Facebook. Put it on YouTube. Email it to your friends. Anybody that likes guns, please, please, please why is it so important to me that we get maximum participation? Because if we do, if we get 2,500 people to enter this contest, I get an AR-7 too. And then I can do a great review of it on YouTube for you, uh, do some cool stuff out at the bug allocation so we all win. You guys get one. Sorry it can only be one, but I'll get one too. All right, with that, let's go ahead and get into the main topic of today's show, which again is your tips, tricks, and ways that you turn dimes into dollars. If I mention a website or a web resource today, you can rest assured it will be in the show notes. Again, this is episode 679 of the Survival Podcast. So if you're listening into it in the future, just go by the survivalpodcast.com, stick 679 in the search box, hit search, and you will find it. So let's go ahead with that first tip today. First one comes from Grog. He's got a list. The first two have been said a bunch of times, so I'm going to just skip ahead. To some of his ones that haven't, Grog says, Yard care, I do mine myself rather than paying someone else to do it. Use a push motor instead of a power motor. Keeps costs down. Gives me some exercise. Making sure that I have a properly working flapper in my toilet. This saves me about $15 each month against my water sewer billing. That's an easy one. Uh, if your toilet runs at all, it's annoying and it's amazing. Uh, I want you to think about this. Okay, If you took a garden hose... And let it hang like over a deck or something where it could drip. And you turned it on to where it just barely dripped. And you left it there for a week. How wet would the ground be? How much water would there be on the ground? How much water would you waste that way? Um, just because it's dripping into your toilet and going down the drain doesn't mean you're not wasting the exact same amount. So that's a good tip. And a flapper is a couple bucks. Uh, when I need something like a toaster, I go to a second-hand shop, not a retail store. $5 for a big 8-slice toaster versus $65 for a new one. A must for my shopping is a must. A must of my shopping is just for me. As oh, I spoke, he misspelled it. Okay, as most of my shopping is just for me, I have better control over things. Like instead of driving everywhere, most places I can uh, and do walk. 
at $3.08 a gallon for uh, gas in city driving with my 2004 car, uh, averaging 17, 18 miles to the gallon. I get 26 on the highway, but seldom drive out of town. Most of, the, most of my media intake is via the Internet or radio for news and the like. Thanks for the chance to share some thoughts on saving money. I'm sure you'll be getting several tips and suggestions from others. Good work, Grog. There's an understatement, several. <laughs> uh, right now, there's still like uh, 400 in the folder. Next one here comes from Linda. Linda says, I buy meat by the case at Sam's for a huge savings, and then I can my own meat. It is the most tender, flavorful meat you can get. It is such a convenience food. If there are good sales on meats, I buy it up and can it. I try to never pay more than $2.50 a pound for any meats. I have canned hamburger, pork, sausage, turkey, chicken sirloin tips. What is a chicken sirloin tip? A roast dinner in a jar and ham, etc. I have made several convenience meals already canned that I have just uh, to be heated, including stew, vegetable, beef soup, chili, etc. That way when you're tired, we're not tempted to go out and eat. You can do the same with freezer meats. I agree. Um, I think I said this and somebody else was doing something similar. A lot of times you'll go into the grocery store and they'll have a great big section in the meat counter and it'll be like all marked down like three, four bucks a pound or more. And it's very, and a lot of times there's just a whole bunch of beef there and it's all different things like steaks and round steak and all. And that meat is okay, uh, if you're gonna take it home and cook it now. But if you put it in the freezer, it's already kind of past its prime. But if you were to get, you know, sometimes you go in and like the case is full of it. There's like 20, 30 pounds of that stuff in there. You can get it for about two, two fifty a pound, like she's saying. You take all that home and can it. It doesn't matter that it's not a big roaster or whatever. It doesn't matter that it's all different cuts. You can it. It all pretty much comes out the same. So there's another way to do that. I've learned to make yogurt and cream cheese for pennies on the dollar by using powdered milk. Yogurt can be turned into sour cream for cooking. Much easier to make uh, than I thought. I'm planning on trying cottage cheese the same way. Get a wheat grinder, grind your own grains, and learn how to make your own mixes. Again, pennies on the dollar. Uh, we make our own delicious breads for pennies on what same thing costs at a store. I'm trying to make everything you would ordinarily buy at a store. Rule of fun, I have uh, a rule of fun, a rule of fun. Sorry, guys. A rule of thumb I have found is that it saves two thirds of the cost, salad dressing included. The other thing we try is pretty much grow all our own vegetables and most of our own fruits. Our yard is now a garden. We planted all sorts of berries, grapes, and trees along with fruits and vegetables. Last year we got 75 gallons of strawberries we're starting to pick this year. We love fruit smoothies that we make ourselves. We get apples in season and sometimes a good deal on peaches. Then I can away. We've gotten free pears and plums for the neighbors just letting the fruit drop from the trees. Canning and dehydrating, etc., saves a bundle. We grew lettuce this winter in our butt, our basement under shop lights and plan to do it again this summer when it's too hot here in the south to grow it in the garden. Check the local paper and Craigslist for you pick farm goods and nuts, etc., that may be available in your area. It's a lifestyle that doesn't take as much time as you think. I own my own, I own my business and I'm involved heavily in church service and do all of this on the side. Linda, great stuff there, Linda. Really good stuff. Um, let's keep going. Jeff says, really enjoy listening to your show. Here are a few things I've been doing to save some cash and build resiliency as I transition to my bug out location this summer. Hey, Jeff, good for you in making that transition. You won't regret it. Trust me. I know. Number one, get a pressure cooker. I cook dry beans in 20 to 30 minutes for black bean burgers, vegetarian sausage, and refried beans. This also makes far a far safe safe can this also makes for a safe canning option for low acid foods. You know, I never really thought of that, but you know what? Um, all these dry beans that we store, folks, if you use a pressure cooker, you can avoid that 24-hour soak, and you don't even do like the heat it up, let it soak for an hour, and then cook it for a couple hours. You can cook your beans really quick in a uh, pressure cooker. 
Uh, here we go. Uh, this one doesn't really bug me, but it may bug some of you. I'm just warning you. Save your urine. Mix 8 to 1 with water and use liberally on all green leafy vegetables. Pour on the soil, not the leaves. Makes them grow faster, natural source of nitrogen, and keeps predators away. Use leftover unit in the, uh, urine in the compost bin as a natural activator. It works. Uh, I am bigger on a 16 to 1 mix ratio than an 8 to 1. Um, I have seen some stuff get a little bit burned, maybe just... To be blunt, maybe I have higher nitrogen than some others. I don't know. Uh, save and scavenge all tempered glass jars you can. These can be used almost forever as canning jars with the addition of Tadler brand reusable canning lids. That's a big one. Uh, the Tadler reusable canning lids will save you so much money uh, and are completely sustainable. You can use those things forever. It's called, again, uh, Tadler. And I'll put a link to where you can find those online. If you're canning and you're using the old-style lids, stop it. Stop it, stop it, stop it. Use the Tattler lids. And that's Tattler, T-A-T-T-L-E-R. Uh, continuing on, Craigslist. I just scored 30 free pallets, which I will dismantle and use to build a chicken coop and some raised uh, bed herb gardens. Wild foraging, get a good field guide and go outside. I eat wild edibles now almost daily. A year ago, I knew nothing about them. I think that's a bigger one than just saving money, too. It's self-reliance. Uh, it's self-sufficiency. And it's good for you mentally, spiritually, physically, emotionally, in all ways. Grow from and save seeds. This is well known by most of your listeners, but until you do it, you never realize how rewarding it is, as well as a huge money saver. Seven, build a rocket stove and use it for canning and outdoor cooking. Instead of using a turkey cooker and paying for propane to heat water for canning, use a rocket stove built from a 30-gallon steel tank. It takes about an hour to build and will create immense heat from little pieces of wood. Thanks and good luck in Arkansas, Jeff. Those are some great ones, aren't they, folks? Uh, the rocket stove, I wonder about doing beer with that, cooking beer. I, mean, I just did a homebrew episodes and talked about using a turkey cooker or a propane outdoor cooker. The problem I think that I might have with that is it's really important with your beer wort to not overdo it with the heat. So there's got to be maybe some way to control the heat. I think it would get too hot for beer. But for other things, it probably worked really well. For canning, I think it probably, you know, with a pressure canner, should work fine. Uh, this guy says, this is Mark from the People's Republic of Taxachusetts. And he calls me Uncle Jack. He says, Uncle Jack, I find there is a larger than normal amount of people doing everyday shopping at flea markets and swap meets. For a $1 entry fee at my local flea market, I get to spend Saturday morning with my dad. That's worth the dollar already. And look around for things to buy in bulk. Soap, razor, shaving cream, shampoo, canned goods. Up in the southern New Hampshire, it's not always junk and counterfeit women's purses at a flea market. I also buy secondhand tools, and there's a farmer's market. I save money by not paying the Taxachusetts 6.25% sales tax. And rather than my money go to a company, I can use the cash to buy certain items at three-for-one pricing in certain instances. It's a win-win as far as I'm concerned. So check out your local flea markets, uh, folks, and try to find one with a farmer's market and that doesn't specialize in counterfeit women's purses. Uh, next one, Danell. Uh, and I think that's how you pronounce the name. If I got it wrong, I'm sorry, but I think it's Danelle. Uh, our freezer saves us money on more than just meat. We bought a freezer on sale, of course. When meat, beef goes on sale, buy one, get one free. Then we have a meat cutter butcher and grind it. Uh, that's very lean ground beef for $1.99 a pound versus $4.99 a pound, or maybe it's over $5 a pound now. It's been a while since I paid the regular price. It took us two and a half months to pay for the freezer with the meat savings. I want to add to that. Uh, I did the episode where I talked about pink slime 
how they take all the leavings from the meat with like the stuff that's been in contact with the guts and stuff like that and um, then they take it and they uh, they put it in a centrifuge and spin it out and then since it's exposed to E. coli they wash it in ammonia and other chemicals and they're allowed to put up to 20% of that in any ground meat product in America and not tell you including that 90% lean ground sirloin Yep, it could be in there. You bet it could because that would mean that it's at least 80% sirloin and they could probably get away with calling it sirloin. Um, so when you do this, not only do you pay less for better quality meat, you know what you're eating. Uh, we go through a lot of, we go back to the article or the, the, uh, the email now. We go through a lot of meat and chicken. I cook for my, I cook for my three dogs. More time, a little, but no more arthritis or seizure medications and constant trips to the vet for any of them. That's hundreds a year in savings. Totally worth the time. They have so much energy now sometimes. I threaten to feed them commercial food again, but I wouldn't. I buy whole chickens at 89 cents a pound. Price went up to 98 cents three to four weeks ago. I cut up my own bird, 90 seconds to bone a bird with practice and a good knife. My husband is faster than that. Save out the breasts for us to eat. Breasts are $5 a pound or something like that. That's a $4 per pound savings. The rest gets boiled for the dogs. Save the broth for stock. I wash large meat trays with soap and a little bleach and use the trays for my seed cubes. Drain trays, snack trays for freezing homemade TV dinners. Line the tray with microwave plastic wrap first. I even use one of my top-o-matic cigarette-making machine. Okay, I know quit, say more. But if you're going to make to smoke even a day for a day, roll your own. Went from $80 a week to $10 or less. The tray catches the tra tobacco droppings. I also love the meat trays by the back door in spring to hold my muddy boots. Uh, saves on floor washing. I keep a stash of plastic grocery bags by the back door so I can slip them over my boots if I don't want to bother with taking them off. Of course, they work great for picking up dog poo and slugs out of the garden. Also, a quick, quick grab for harvesting uh, or cutting off thistle heads to burn. Thanks for the great job you do. Um, awesome, awesome, awesome. Let's go ahead and take the next one. And that comes from um, Joseph says, yeah, Joseph. Um, grow your own firewood. Heating costs are, are on the rise. It's a major expense in the northern parts of the country. A neighbor of mine paid $4,000 last heating season to run his furnace. This is after a discounted state-subsidized energy program for seniors, which has cut his bill in almost in half. The program in my state is being cut drastically. Nearly half the people on it will be faced with a real shock when they see their bills double next year. Man! Four grand and you're paying half price for, I guess, heating oil then? Uh, or gas, one or the other. I, I, oh, where is this place? Uh, but let me continue on. Quality firewood split and delivered in my area is $70 per cord. But ranges from $50 to $140 depending on source and when you buy it. I go through about 12 cords per season, still cheaper than running a gas furnace, but expensive nonetheless. And the price of firewood is rising. Planting a small firewood coppice is easy. Ash trees are available and cheap. Mountain ash works well, although it isn't a true ash. It is not susceptible to green ash borer that's plagued many wood growers. To heat my home, 2,500 square foot ranch, I find planting 20 trees per season to be adequate with a hexagonal spacing of about 3 feet. A smaller home or mild climate would obviously require less. For the first 10 years, you plant your trees starting with two rows furthest from the sun. Then each year you plant the next row, stacking them so the older trees are always behind the younger trees so as not to shade them. After 10 years of growth, you stop planting and begin to harvest in early spring. Just always remove the oldest wood. The trees will re-sprout from the stump, 
The closed space, he keeps the trees tall and straight with minimal side growth for easy splitting. The trunks will be 6 to 8 inches in diameter by harvest. The regrowth will be sheltered by the other trees for a year. The next harvest will open up the area to the light again. So firewood can be grown in very little space. Even a small suburban backyard can manage a small cosmos and still leave room for a yard and garden. Well, 10 years is a while to wait for your first harvest. Keep in mind what energy prices will be then. Best to start now. There's a unique one. That is awesome. I think some of us that like where I live, I've got so many trees that I can work with in Cosmos that are already in the ground. But those of you who are thinking, I just got you know my five acres or my eight acres or my four acres or even my three acres, and I want to do permaculture and all, and how can I be sustainable? Have you ever thought of growing trees just to cut them down with coppicing? And what that means is you cut the tree, but it grows back. Um, and there's a lot of resources online about that. I'll post something today for you guys just on cosmosing trees, but that's awesome. Continuing on with Joseph's uh, stuff. Just about every state has a forestry program intended to reintroduce native species of trees, and this is under the headline Cheap Trees. Uh, it introduced species of trees and shrubs that have been displaced by agriculture. Check with your state forestry department or your cooperative extension for a list of available plants. Some are given for free, others very cheaply. In New York, I can get edible crab apples, black cherry, mountain ash, and sugar maples for $30 for 100 trees. Let me read that again. In New York, I can get edible crab apples, black cherries, mountain ash, and sugar maples, $30 for 100 trees. Before you get too excited, folks, they are seedlings. And not what you consider a seedling when you go to the uh, nursery and buy one in a little pot. Um, your 100 trees you can probably hold in your two hands. They're about as big as a matchstick each when you get them this way. At least that's my experience. But it's 100 for 30 bucks. You plant them. If half of them die, that's 50 trees for $30. And a lot of times these little native trees, when you plant them as a little seedling like that, they grow a lot faster than you know your nursery broodstock type stuff. If you have a large area to plant, that beats the hell out of nursery prices. Even if a state doesn't have such a program, there's national organizations like the Arbor Day Foundation that offer similar services, not to mention specific breeding societies who offer huge bulk discounts to keep specific strains as pure as possible. Free dirt, dirt compost, stone, firewood, and mulch. Most municipalities have a yard waste site where the collected glass clippings, leaves, and branches are mulched and composted. Topsoil excavated from construction sites and stone dug up by plows is dumped there. This saves them on landfill space and the cost of trucking such refuse to landfills. They'll cut up logs of a good size for a wood splitter, chip branches for wood mulch, and compost other debris into huge piles. It's generally all free for the taking the residents for non-commercial use compared to trucking in topsoil. Uh, to raise an area of your property, buying a bag compost at $10 a yard, or paying for wood mulch. It's a huge savings. You can literally fill your truck and return as many times as you like. I can attest to that. Hot Springs has one. I haven't been there yet. I don't know what they have other than compost, but they have compost. And they have compost this way. You can get up to three cubic yards. I think it's, it's maybe six cubic yards as a resident for free. After that... You can get it for, I think, $15 a cubic yard. A cubic yard is a, an overloaded eight-foot bed pickup is a cubic yard. A, your typical six-foot bed pickup truck, half ton, will be overloaded with about a half a cubic yard to, to give you the idea of how much that is. It's, it's a lot. Um, but 
They also, that's if they, if you go in and you talk to them and they load it for you. If you just pull them with a pickup truck and a shovel and fill it yourself, you can take all you want for free, just like he's saying. So check with your local municipalities for resources like that because they're awesome. And I, I've been to some different ones, and some of them, yeah, it's there's mulch there, there's wood, there's anything you want. If you'll just go do all the work, you know, pull up to certain spots instead of the place where they do it with, you know, uh, a, a bucket loader or whatever, you can have all you want for free. That's a huge one. Uh, continuing on, free manure. Check Craigslist for manure. Many people have a couple horses. That produces a lot of manure, but not enough to sell commercially to a packager. They usually have to pay to have excess hauled off or spread over the pasture. As such, many ads can be found for listing manure for free. Some will even load it for you. Um, somebody email me or post in the show notes what what category do I look in a Craigslist to find free manure. Uh, I'd kind of like to know. That sounds like a great resource. Um, pound Grow herbs and spices. Pound for pound, they cost more than any other food product you buy. Most of them are practically weeds, some perennial, and most of them other uh, others readily recede themselves. I'm going to skip the next one because it is illegal. I understand what you mean when you say a lot of people do it anyway, but I'm not going to do it on the air because I can't do it. I have to protect myself legally. Sorry about that, Joseph. Next one, people. Other people are a tremendous resource. The value of family, friends, and community directly reflects relates to our finances and should not be ignored. There was a day when if you needed a barn put up, the whole town turned out with a hammer and a saw. You provide a few drinks and an unspoken agreement that you will assist the next guy in the need of barn. These days we tend to go it alone. We can call four contractors for estimates, hire one, pay $20,000, and maybe have a barn in a couple of months. Cooperation, even a formal agreement between people to exchange goods and services directly with one another without money changing hands is vital to your to bettering your way of life. People have criticized me saying you're just trying to dodge the taxes. Hell yes, I am, but there's more to it than that. A few years ago, my family made an agreement with each uh, each uh, to each endeavor to save the rest of the family as a whole, not each individual, the sum of $2,000 a year. One thing I do to contribute that I've mentioned before in the forums, I grow Christmas trees for my family. We have over 20 households who celebrate Christmas with a tree. Those trees can cost upwards of $90 in my area, money those families would definitely appreciate keeping, especially around the holidays. In return, I've had my taxes professionally done for free, received free auto maintenance, oil changes, break jobs, etc. I grow food and bring it to family members. Rather than bore you with a list of things we've done for each other over the years, I'll just say that family-wide we've saved about a half a million dollars. Granted, it's a large family and we have friends and neighbors involved now too, but the individual savings is much, and the individual savings are much, much smaller. But as a group, we're flourishing. We do have problems with people who like to receive services but have little or nothing to contribute back. It's not a perfect system, but so far it's been a good one for all. You know what we called that back in the day? Social services. This is community action. This is community support. Uh, this is really good stuff. Uh, email goes on, but I'm going to cut it there so we have time for others. Joseph, thank you, and don't think my omissions are to be taken personally. Um, in fact, I agree with the thing that I omitted. I'll just tell you that. Uh, hi, Jack Ryan from Wisconsin here. Great show idea. Have a, here's a big money saver for those with a landline phone. Cut the phone line and get only DSL or broadband internet and buy an UMA for $200 to $250. This will replace your phone and there's no monthly or annual fee. Pays for itself in less than an year, a year. Don't need to leave your computer on like Magic Jack and you can port your old phone number and comes with caller ID and its own voicemail. So get yourself an UMA 
and uh, that will take the place of your phone. I will look that up and put a link to an UMA for you in the show notes, whatever an UMA may be. I am not familiar with that one, but it sounds kind of cool. Okay, the next one's interesting, and uh, variations I've heard thereof, but not this specific one, and it's pretty simple, in fact, and I'll put a link to it today. Uh, the email's from Michael, and it simply says, I can attest to the fact that this works, dot, dot, dot. I've got $150,000 in financial freedom money in 10 years, and other than my mortgage, I don't owe nobody nothing. And it's got a link to uh, a website called Secrets of Achievers. <clears throat> and the website, or the, uh, the method here is called T. Harv Eckers JARS, J-A-R-S, all caps, Money Management System. And I'll just read the, the summary of it, and you guys can look at it deeper if you want to. Uh, during the first Millionaire Mind Intensive Seminar in Singapore, Harv Ecker introduced to people from all over, introduced people from all over Asia about the world's simplest, easiest, and most effective money management system. Harv suggested that everyone can use the JARS system to better manage one's money. The key between rich and poor or middle class is people Uh, people is their ability to manage their money. Rich people are excellent money managers and poor and middle class people are less savvy when it comes to managing their money. And of course, there are many other distinctions that set the rich, poor, and middle class people apart. I will go into that later in a blog post I intend to discuss about the JARS money management system in this post. The first most important part of money managing is separating your income into different accounts for specific purposes. I will outline the various accounts for the JARS system, as well as their percentage breakdown of how one should divide their money to manage below. Here's the basic summary. Financial Freedom Account, FFA, 10%. Long-term savings for spending, that's the LTSS account, 10%. Education, EDUC, 10%. That's probably not just tuition with something this simple and smart. Uh, necessities, NEC, 55%. Play, 10%. Give, 5%. Anyone can start using the JARS method managing their money, even if you don't, if you think you do not have a lot of money to manage. The key is to develop a habit of managing your money, but not how much money you have available to manage. One must get into the habit of managing their own money. You can start with as low as a dollar and to begin using the system. And then it goes through the rest of how it works. And it's pretty cool. And again, it's called the T. Harv Eckers JARS Money Management System. It's a pretty plain Jane little post here, but a ton of comments from people who have, I guess, done it. And uh, I'll go ahead and, uh, you know what I think happened here? I say it's pretty plain. Let me see. I'm going to hit reload on this page real quick, and I'll let you know. Yeah, it kind of looked like a, a plain black and white page, like from back in the early 90s, you know, 90s like 94, 95, when somebody would just stick up a page. It was a blog, and I guess the blog software was broke for a second. So I'll put a link to this guy's blog with this post on this uh, money management jar system. You can check that out. This next one's from Kathy, and that would be the Kathy that I read the story to you about who uh, got out of their life that when they were kind of when I talked about doing prepping as a retirement program, and they've got this little rental house now, and her husband Ed does a lot of handyman work and some independent consulting and stuff like that. Um, so these people are actually very good long-term family friends, and here's what she says. Here's some things we do. Uh, one, I enjoy cooking, so I make our own granola much cheaper than buying it in the supermarket. I heard that. Um, granola is the most expensive cheap food in the world as far as I'm concerned I make chicken and beef jerky for our dogs using a dehydrator much cheaper than buying it and you know what you're getting most chicken strips in pet stores come from China which are very toxic 
I also make various dog biscuits, much cheaper than store-bought, and you know what you're feeding your dog. Lots of recipes available online. I want to say something here. This is the second person today talked about cooking for a dog or making food for a dog. There's this stigma that people have that if it's human food, we don't give it to dogs, which is stupid because dogs are carnivores, and uh, they actually are omnivores, but in reality, they're mostly carnivorous, and that means they eat meat just like we do, and there's no such thing as people versus dog food unless we're talking about chocolate cake or something like that, which don't give chocolate to dogs, uh, but meat... But then there's also, well, if it's good enough for people, why give it to a dog? Let me let me kind of bounce this off you. One of the things that I'll give our dogs from time to time to chew on, and I'll watch them when they get down to where they're getting too much into the bones, I remove them, even though bones, if they're not cooked, are safe for dogs, because these bones are technically cooked. Ham hocks. And I like to cook with ham hocks, too. I like to do beans and ham hocks and stuff like that, but ham hocks. Why? Because I get four great big ham hocks, right, for a buck and 13 cents or something like that. Four of them in a little pack, you know, a little shrink package, uh, in the in the grocery department. D do you know what six pig ears will cost you? You know the dog pig ears that are four dogs that you would never want to eat, but you'll feed them to your dog. They're like five bucks for six pig ears, and they're nowhere near as much there for the dog as there's. So I just want to make the point that sometimes it's actually cheaper to feed a dog or a cat quote people food than pet food, and it's still more nutritious. I have gotten, for instance, because I give our cats mostly dry food, especially since one's an inside cat, um, and it helps with the cat box. I'll just leave it at that. Um, but I do like to give them some wet food once in a while. They really like it. It's kind of a treat. Well, I've gotten sometimes tuna on sale for a fraction of the cost of cat food. So I can understand where somebody would say, well, we, we could eat that. But then we're going to turn around and feed the cat something that costs as much as if we were buying ribeye for ourselves. Look at what a co the cost of a can of Fancy Feast is per pound. And compare that to like low-end, on-sale, with a coupon, tuna. So sometimes I do this as well. And I, I think that, you know, the dogs are part of the family. And I know Kathy is way, way more that way than I am. So just wanted to bring that up. Um, anyway, it says, I also make various dog biscuits much cheaper than store-bought. And you know you're feeding your dogs. There's lots of dog biscuit recipes online. I'll try to find some of those for you. Um, back to Kathy's email, though, for now. Um, We also grow lots of herbs during the summer and dehydrate them for use over the winter, much cheaper than buying spice bottles at the grocery store, and they have more flavor. We also grow various hot peppers and chop them up and freeze them in Ziploc bags so we have them all year to spice up chili or whatever. Also, blueberries, when they're on sale, buy a bunch, lay them on a tray, put them in the freezer when frozen, throw them in a Ziploc bag. You have them all year. These are better than buying bags of frozen blueberries that have lots of sugar, and they taste better, too. I completely agree, and that's a very important step with a lot of things that you can freeze Big tray, lay it all out, then freeze it solid, and then put it in the bag. Why? We don't make a blueberry block of goo that we can't separate, which means when I'm putting my cereal together and I've got some hot oatmeal and I think, you know, some plump, a little bit of like heated up from the steam, blueberries in there would be good today, I can open the bag, grab a handful, throw them in, and reseal the bag, and they're not all stuck together. So that's a very important step to add to that. And you can do that with a lot of things you grow yourself as well. Um, raspberries, blackberries, you name it. Number five, we cook our own meats, our own meals more often now and have cut back on eating out in restaurants. This has saved us lots of money. We use hydrogen peroxide to clean many things such as mildew floors, walls, and mirrors. You don't need to buy expensive cleaning products. Buy in bulk and put in a spray bottle. For some things, you might want to dilute it. Lots of info online on how to use this for cleaning. You can also use it on your pets for a quick, quick spray, spape, uh, tied up today. 
uh, trying to go through a bunch of them, folks. You also can use it on your pets for a quick spray bath. It takes away doggy smell until you get time to give them a real bath. It works as well for quick baths. Uh, you, it's, it's a quick bath you buy in the pet stores. Just spray it on a clean towel, rub it on their fur, and they come out fluffy. It's a temporary fix to dog smell they get. Be careful to avoid the eyes and careful around the ears and paws. So there you go, a little bit of peroxide on your doggy and get rid of the doggy smell for cheap. Cool stuff there, folks. Let's go ahead and take another one. By the way, I found a website with like hundreds of uses for hydrogen peroxide that will be in today's show notes. Next one here um, comes from Ian. Uh, Ian, Ian, I'm not sure how you say that. Uh, I-I-A-N. If I got it wrong, I, uh, I'm sorry, but that's the best I can do there. Uh, but it's Lunk on the forums, so I got that part right. A couple of things I can think of are food-centric, and many listeners probably already do. One, shop sales. You already mentioned this, but I base my shopping on uh, on the protein that's available on sale that week. Whole chickens for 79 cents a pound. I buy eight and take 30 minutes at home to break them down into meal packs and pop them into the freezer. Uh, yeah, if you're buying chicken in parts, folks, you're making a mistake. And especially if you're going to buy organic chicken and stuff like that, you almost can't afford to do it in parts. Um, next one, if you have a restaurant supply store, e.g. Smart uh, and Final, Cash and Carry, etc. in your area, shop their sales. I buy a 15-pound bone-out ribeye for $4.50 a pound. Uh, cut your own steaks as thick as thin as you want. Why pay a butcher $3 a pound for something that will take you 10 minutes? Whole pork lines are the same. Seven pound loin for $2.19 versus $4 a pound for pork chops in the store. Hope this helps. Lunk on the forum. So, uh, cool. Um, next one, uh, comes from Octavian. Octavian has this, t I have a tip for saving some gas. With gas prices the way they are, this will come in very handy. I use a device called a Scan Gauge 2. Available at ScanGauge.com and practice hypermiling with the link to that as well. The basic info is that a car is able to achieve much higher mileage numbers than what the EPA says it can. The only adjustment is to the nut behind the wheel. The uh, Clean MPG site offers tips on how to hypermile and ScanGauge offers the driver uh, to see the improvements in real time. It may seem like a large investment for the device, but mine has paid for itself many times over. I bought it two years ago. To give you a numeric breakdown of my savings, my car is a 2009 Nissan Versa SL. EPA mileage, 27 city, 33 highway, 30 combined. My mileage without scan gauge, 25 to 35 in all seasons, 30 combined. With scan gauge, 30 to 45 miles in all seasons, 37 combined. Over two years, or 28,000 miles of driving, this translates to a savings of about 200 gallons, which is about $800. I live on a cash budget, and I have about $160 a month to spend on gas. I have never gone over my budget, though I also use my bike to commute to work during the warmer months. So there you go. Over two years, $800. Bucks. That's real money, folks. That really is. I don't know if I'll do it. Like I said, not all these tips are things that all of us are going to do. Um, you know, that's why I bought a car that gets 44 miles to the gallon and figured that's good enough. But um, hypermiling is something that if you have the time and you don't mind taking a little longer to get somewhere, you can certainly do that. And I think the gauge is probably awesome because it's not even so much about slowing down and doing all the stuff that hypermilers do, but a certain driving habits itself. If you actually see how much you're using, uh, it's pretty cool. And some of the newer cars just have that. They just tell you how much, you know, what your current MPGs are. And you can change your driving habits to a way that will put a lot of money back into your pocket if you have a car that does that. So I'll put links to both of those resources in today's show notes. Let's take another one. 
Okay, the next one comes to us from Benjamin. Benjamin says, I posted this on your site, but here it is again. I, go, I sometimes go to a restaurant supply company with a friend. In addition to a wholesale food, they sell dry goods like disposable plates, cleaning supplies, etc. You do need a tax ID or other proof that you run a business as they sell pre-state sales tax. The business does not have to be a restaurant. My friend runs a bridal store and got a membership. You can check out their website here, and there's a link, and I'll put that down for you, restaurantdepot.com. Note that much of the goods will be sold in bulk quantities, such as 50 to 100 pound bags of rice, 20 pound sacks of flour. I saw entire half sides of a pig, which I think it's called a pork belly last time. Okay, that's a cool tip. We'll tell you, though, that a pork belly is not a half of a pig. That would be a half of a pig or a side of pork. A pork belly is actually what it sounds like. It's the belly of a pork. It's a boneless cut of fatty meat derived from the belly of a pig. Very popular in Asian cuisine. And my good friend and business partner, Neil Franklin, makes some of the best you'll ever have. And you'll want to just kind of curl up in a little ball after you eat it so you can't move anymore and uh, take a nap. So that's what a pork belly is. And that's when you hear a pork belly future on the, uh, on the, the commodities exchange. Uh, that's basically a trading unit. It's, uh, 40,000 pounds of, of, uh, of frozen trimmed pork belly. That's exactly what it is. It is what it sounds like. Uh, but interesting little tip there. And again, I'll post a link, uh, to restaurantdepot.com in the show notes. If you own a business, apparently you can get a membership there and buy whatever you want and, uh, beat the tax man a bit and get better pricing. Next one here is on couponing, but with some specifics. So I'll read it even though a lot of people have talked about it. This is from Kelly. In Florida, and Kelly says, one of my newest money-stemming strategies is using coupons. I know extreme couponers have been in the media recently, but I do have to say that even just a few coupons can go a long way. One of the best tips I can give about coupons is to save them for a few weeks because many manufacturers have a sales cycle one week, and then they send coupons out, uh, and then a week or two or three weeks after that, the same item goes on sale in your store. We'll have it on buy one, get one free. For example, I was holding onto a coupon for butter. One dollar off two Lando Lakes. My store just had them on sale. Buy one, get one free. I was able to get two packs for $1.29 each, and I had two coupons, so I got four for the price of one. One of my favorite websites is Be, Sens say, Be Sensible, with sense spelled C-E-N-T-S, besensible.net. They are very helpful, have great links to help anyone get started. I just started getting into coupons, and I've already been saving $20 to $30 off each of my shopping trips. I store food already, so I figure I should be buying when it's on sale and when I have coupons. Thanks for the great info, Kelly. Um, I'll tell you what, I want you to think about this, $20 to $30 off the shopping trips and buying the stuff you're going to buy anyway. Unlike, and I've been watching this extreme couponing show, folks, and I will say these people do have pretty awesome stockpiles, and, uh, but a lot of their food is really junk, and a lot of the times it seems like they get crap they really don't need or want. Um, if you have enough toothpaste to make it through Armageddon, fine, but if you have enough to make it through 10 Armageddons, maybe it's time to start getting something else or donate it. Some of them do, to be fair. But if it's just, let's just say, That, I, that you can do a little bit of work without, because these women on these, and a couple guys on these extreme couponing shows, they spend 40 hours a week, 30 hours a week doing this stuff to save this money. And if I spend 40 hours a week, I can make more money than I'll save at the grocery store. So I, I think it's, but if you can do just a little bit and be smart about it and take simple tips like Kelly gives us and put $30 a week back in your pocket, well, that's $120 a month. That starts to add up. 
Um, do it by 12. It's about what 14? I think it'd be 144, 12, 12, so $1,440 a year. $1,440 a year by uh, by taking some simple steps. Now, what if we take that $1,400 and we go right back and we let's do like consider it like stocks, do like a dividend reinvestment. So in, since we're trying to build out our food storage. We go and we eat what we store, store what we eat, and we buy an additional $1,400 worth of food to build our food storage uh, system with. How far have we come toward food independence, stability, and long-term storage at the end of one year? How much long-term storable type foods, because, again, that's probably not going to be your beef and stuff like that, uh, unless you're doing some of the other tips and canning yourself. But you can put together a hell of a pantry for $1,400 in one year. Well, what if you take the second year and you put that $1,400 toward some other, you know, like let's say, okay, now we're going to step up. We're going to buy a generator for about five, six hundred bucks. We're going to put up a few hundred dollars worth of gasoline. We still have some, and we just start keep parlaying that $1,400 back into our own independence. Maybe we use it to start putting in some small scale solar or something like that. That's how we start to make these things work. It's not just saving the money outright. Saving the money, take the cash, put it aside, look at it, let it grow, and then figure out how to increase our individual freedom with the money saved up to save even more money to keep doing it. So you know how debt snowball works? We take the biggest debt, we put it at the end. We take the smallest debt, we put it at the beginning. We pay on the first debt every penny we can scrape up until that debt is paid off. And then we roll all the extra money and all the money that was going for the first debt onto the second debt. And we keep doing that. By the time we get to the third and final debt or fourth and final debt, by parlaying all of the the previous things forward, we end up paying the biggest debt off faster than we paid off the small debt in the beginning. This is doing it in reverse. This is snowballing the savings into investment, into savings, into investment, into savings, into investment until you eventually build up a lifestyle where you're as self-sufficient as you choose to be. And I think that's really cool. All right, next one. Um, this is uh, uh, from Joseph. Joseph says these have probably already been submitted, but just in case, if you burn wood, contact the local tree services and ask what they do with the trees they remove. A lot of companies are looking for a place to get rid of their wood. Some sell it as firewood. One company I talked to said they would drop off wood whenever they had a job in the area. They'll even keep trunks intact if I want so I can mill them. That's pretty awesome. And on the subject of pallets, the wood can be used to make decent seedling flats along with a million other projects, especially if you can get your hands on the hardwood pallets. Hey, I want to tell you this. I'll probably uh, read this. I think it's in the queue for a future feedback show. But I just got an email from a guy that uh, specializes in wood pallets for wood-burning stoves. You know what they make a lot of them out of? Recycled pallets. So if you're worried about burning pallet wood, um, you got to really think about that. All right, next one. If you live in an area with curbside recycling, check the curb during the spring and early fall when people do their planning. I scored a stack of trays with a mess of pots in various sizes. All they needed was cleaning, and I was all set. Much easier to give away extra plants to friends and neighbors. So, yeah, you know people go to Home Depot, and they get all those plants and those trays and pots and everything, and they bring it home, and then they put it out on the curb. And then you take and use it at your greenhouse for starting seeds and all, and you don't buy any of it. Isn't that cool? I would, like you said, clean them. I would get like a mild bleach solution, probably about, um, I would do about maybe uh, half a cup to five gallons. 
and uh, scrub them down with that. Give them a good rinse. Let them sit in the sun. Uh, keep it off your clothes and what stuff uh, because you don't know if there's any kind of, um, you know, what am I looking for, like funguses and things like that that could be uh, transplanted to your seedlings and get in your yard. And especially, folks, because... Uh, I don't know what's happened, but a lot of suppliers just seem to be supplying tomato plants now that like come with the blight pre-installed. So be careful of stuff that had tomatoes in it. Uh, I see tomato plants at Walmart, at Home Depot, at Lowe's, all over the place, sitting there in their little racks, and they have blight on them before you even buy them. Uh, so be careful with that. Uh, and it has been so many times, but if you garden, learn to start seeds... I was in a nursery the other day when I used to be able to get a cell pack of six plants around $2, a full flat for $18. Now you get three plants for $3.50, and the flats are $30 plus. I've started hundreds of seedlings for basically the cost of seeds, thanks to my recycling finds, and my soil cube under some shop lights. I consider starting a whole lot more, I'm considering starting a whole lot more next year, having a garage sale and going to local farmers market and sell seedlings since they did so well. My number one way to save money is to bring your own lunch, dinner, breakfast to work with you so you don't buy out. Bring a thermos of coffee instead of buying. When I work, uh, they have a free coffee, but I think it's some kind of hazardous waste. Yeah, I remember when I used to work at my office, and I was a partner in the company, and I had like three different coffee vendors that I made the facilities guy bring in, and all the coffee just ended up tasting like swill. Uh, these tips came to us from L.I. Which, uh, L.I. Country Boy. Uh, on the forum. Uh, so great stuff there from Joseph. Let's go ahead and take another one. This one comes from Crystal. Crystal says, here's a couple we do at home. Netflix streaming instead of cable or dish. So many options and an alternative to, an alternative to Hulu, which is $8 a month each. Major appliances. Check the store price adjustment policy and price match policy. If it goes on sale cheaper elsewhere within a certain time frame, we've saved $200 on a fridge that way. Uh, I want to throw out another piece of technology that I mentioned recently. Uh, by, it's by a company called Big in Japan. It's an iPhone app. But I think you can get it on Android and other things as well. It's called Shop Savvy. And uh, if you're at a store and you're even a big appliance like a washer or a dryer or whatever, you just take the UPC code, you scan it with your, your camera, and it'll tell you every place that that, that that product is available, how much it's available for, how far away it is. And if it's at another store, you can just click a button, it'll call that store, and you can check to see if it's in stock. And as a price-matching uh, policies of all the stores, you can call the manager over and go, dude, they have this at a store down the road eight miles away. I just called the manager. They have it in stock. I'd rather buy it from you than go there. But they're selling it for $200 left. Do you want to march, match the price, or do I go over there? Uh, that really saves time as well. So the Shop Savvy app along with that tip, I think it would be really good. Um, next one she has, Crystal says, Cost Plus World Market and Trader Joe's both have decent wines less than 10 bucks. I agree. I think there's a lot of decent wines for under 10 bucks out there. Um, next one I have for you guys is from, hold on. He said to check that one out because that's cool. Uh, Brent up there in Prince Edward Island sent me a link to an article on Green Upgrader. And uh, it's do-it-yourself vertical guard with reclaimed gutters. I'll read a little bit of the article to you. When Suzanne Forsling moved to Genoa, Alaska from Iowa, she found that it was a little bit harder to get her guard to grow. Frustrated by cold soil, scarce sunlight, and hungry slugs and root maggots, porcupines, cats, bears, and ravens, she got resourceful. She got her crops off the cold ground into the light. 
by affixing gutters to the wood siding of her house on the sunny side and using them as planters. This is really a great space-saving idea for green thumb, those with green thumbs and not enough yard to exercise them. Personally, I think these would go great along the deck railing or to cut down to mini window boxes. So next time you know somebody replaces their gutters, snatch them up and give them new lives as planters. It's awesome because I've seen a lot of vertical gardens that really don't seem to, uh, to be very good uh, investments, in my view, because they're so water intensive and what I mean is they're small containers so like I saw a really cool video where a guy was taking four four inch hog fencing and taking four inch pots and you just put the hog fence up and you stick the pots in there but those little pots don't hold much water these gutters can hold quite a bit of water here's an idea for you you take the gutter and you take a second gutter and basically you put one gutter inside the other gutter uh, and you put in something there to create a spacer And then you put some wicking activity down from one gutter into the lower gutter. And then you put a little pipe into the lower gutter with an overflow on the, on the opposite side. And then you can just fill the bottom gutter and you've created a great big long self-watering container that should be able to go about a week in between waterings because gutters are designed to hold and move water. Um, and again, if you're using gutters that have been reclaimed, uh, you can get them for free. And I would say that you can probably, I mean, gutter is pretty cheap stuff to begin with. Uh, and there's a lot of, you know, hardware that's out there that's designed to mount it in different places. This has a lot of potential. And I, my mind just has to start piecing things together. I want you to think about this. What if you created a gutter system that was designed to work just the way that I've said with an overflow that would actually turn roof space into garden space? So the gutter, would allow the water to flow in, allow the excess to overflow and do its job, but have a second gutter system on top of it where you would basically have a garden on a working gutter. And the, the rainwater would fill the self-watering container itself. You could even create a reserve tank. Oh, my God, this is too awesome. Uh, even if it wasn't on the roof. Okay, get this. You, you set up a system like this. You bring the water off of the roof with your typical gutter downflow spouts. They go into, you know, your rain barrel type systems, maybe two or three, a few hundred gallons of water. But since we're using, oh man, I can do a, I gotta, I gotta build this system, folks. I mean, I'm literally creating this in my mind right now. Down on like a deck rail system, you have the gutters you've placed all around the rail. You do your vertical gardening there. You keep your rain bar barrels at a higher elevation, uh, than your gutters, which are lower down, let's say, like again, on a deck rail system. You put a float system in the underlying pieces of your rails so that when they get down below a certain level, it opens a drain to your rain barrels and refills itself automatically. So every time the water gets down to a certain level, little, the little float just opens a little flapper kind of like a toilet. Your, 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 your rain barrels fill up your lower piece. And you could do this, oh my god, you could, it, rain gutters, any kind of self-watering container could be built this way. Um, with, with some very simple plumbing additions. And every time, again, that the water in your self-watering containers gets depleted to a certain level, float valve opens, water comes from your, your rain catch system and refills that and slowly gets used. If there's too much for your rain barrels, you get overflow. You could literally have vertical gardens and self-watering containers set up with a system like that, and there's a million different ways that you could do it. And we're on to something because of one person's idea. That's why I love this show. That's why... 
I, I've literally got to go home, pull out some graph paper, and start thinking about this and work on this while I'm on vacation to think of the total ramifications of what stuff like this could actually mean. Um, there is a, a, an enormous potential to create a completely self-contained system here uh, that would be uh, absolutely awesome. Anyway, I'll put an article, uh, a link to this article that just started this brain dump on me uh, here in today's show notes as well. Now, I'm sorry if I started to ramble there a little bit, and if maybe you're not following everything that I'm saying there, but it just it's exciting because. In my head, I've just developed an entire new system for, for self-watering containers and gardening that's self-feeding. And uh, I'm going to take some time to refine this, and I'll come back to you. And what I'll probably do is put together some plans, and we'll do a whole show on developing this system out. Here's what we're going to do, folks, and this is why it's exciting to be part of a community with 25,000 listeners like we have at TSP now. We're going to work together on this project. And I think I'm going to end the show today on this note and just talk a little bit about this and what we're, how we're going to do this. Uh, I'm going to put together some ideas and some plans and designs, and I'm going to put that online. I'm going to put together some, going through July as I get back from my vacation, I'm going to put together some test bed type scenarios, build some stuff out, some prototypes. We're going to work on this together. What we're going to be able to do with this is take gardening to a level where the garden looks after itself. Even with relatively small containers because of large water reserve systems and using rain catching. I believe that in all but the most arid environments, we could build systems and calculate how much they need. And just by making sure there's enough water in reserve, we could go ahead and have the system completely look after itself. All we'd have to do is harvest and replant. On top of that, uh, if we ever did get into a really dry spell, all you'd have to do is take your garden hose and fill up your reserve tank. And from that point on, the system would take care of itself. This is why I love the show. Because one person sends in one little thing for a little niche series like we're doing here, and all of a sudden, um, I look at it or a listener looks at it and adds something to it and pulls something together, and all of a sudden, wow. You're just like, oh my God, look where we can go from here. And I hope that a lot of you guys are out there doing that. Like I say something and I just kind of like give you a little piece of it. I hope you're taking it, running with it, making it your own. That's what this show's really all about. The money-saving ideas, the technology ideas, uh, the agricultural ideas, the permaculture ideas, uh, all the different things, the, the storage methodologies, all of it. This is not my stuff. This is our stuff. This is our community stuff that we work together to make better. And this is our communities in this series, our community's idea to save money. And just like the one guy wrote in with the Christmas trees and he gives them a family and they trade back, their big extended family has saved a half a million dollars. I bet you this community can save over a hundred million dollars in the next couple of years by doing these things together. Just take 25,000 people and start to think what happens if everybody that listens saves an average of a thousand dollars. What does that mean? Well, because I can do math, I can tell you really easy what it means. It means twenty-five million dollars. Twenty-five million dollars back into the pockets of this community. Twenty-five million dollars. If everybody saves a thousand bucks. That's some real money, folks. And that's the power of crowdsourcing and collective thought and collective combination. You know, the word collective gets a bad rap because of things like communism, and it should in that regard. But this is real collectivism. 
This is collectivism by choice. I don't tell you that you know if you hypermile, you'll save money, so you need to do it, and I'm going to enforce it with a gun. I tell you hypermiling works. You may want to do it. I may not. And then I tell you, hey, this type of guarding works. I may want to do it. And we all pick and choose what we choose to do that comes from the collective input. And we all apply that, and then we all refine it and make it better. They actually call that capitalism, if you want to know. Anyway, with that, I am going to wrap up today. I'm very, very excited about this new concept. Uh, I'm going to see what I can do with it, see what I can come up with. Uh, but this is just, just absolutely freaking awesome. Um, and uh, I thank each and every one of you that participated in this series. Uh, I don't know if I'll do another whole show with this series. I feel like I need to now. God knows whether a gold nugget will dig out of it. But what I'm going to start doing once I get back from vacation, and I will be going on vacation starting at the end of this week, through next week, and a couple days of the following week, there should be mostly shows. I'll be putting out an announcement. I may have already done that of some of the interviews that are coming. But i got some great stuff coming. Uh, Keith Snow's coming back on. Uh, Frank Sharp Jr. is coming back on. MJ DeMarco, who is uh, uh, you know a young millionaire that wants to teach other people how to become a young millionaire, is coming back on. I've got a lot of great stuff coming. I got uh, Rob Rob from the Fat uh, Conservation Society to come on and talk about that. So even though I'm going to be on vacation next week, folks, there's a lot of cool stuff coming from you for you. And with that, this has been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. Seeing our food these days, you know it's on our TVs. Sometimes we forget we are what we eat. I don't know the answer. It's like there's nothing I can do. It's the price we pay, I guess, when we follow all the rules. There's a better way to do this Let me show you a better way
Revolution is you.